Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 1 Peter 4. What would you do if you thought the world was about to end? Would you gather up all of your family and loved ones for one last family gathering? Would you go to things that you have stockpiled to try to somehow survive? Would you go out to a street corner with a sign and try to tell people uh, the good news? What would you do? Well, if you think about that, I think the bottom line is if your life would drastically change, if you thought the world was out to, was about to end, then you're not living right. Then you're not living the right way right now. Because guess what the Bible says? The Bible says the world is about to end. First Peter 4, 7 says the end of all things is at hand. So you should already be living like you think the world is about to end. Because what we know Christ is going to return. There's a sense in Scripture that we get that we don't know when that is going to happen, but we need to act as if it's going to happen soon, because in God's economy, it is happening soon. The good thing about 1 Peter 4 is that it doesn't leave us just guessing. Well, what should I do if I think the world is about to end? It tells us. And we'll spend a lot of our time in verses 7 through 11. Because it gives us a track to run on. This is how to live constantly as if the world were to end. If you want to be ready for the end of all things, here is what God wants you to be doing. First, it says, therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. That's how you should live. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is linked, really, I think, with keeping us from some sins that are frequently mentioned in the Bible, sins like anger or uh, sexual immorality that, that show a lack of control over our bodies or over our tongues and with our words that we might use towards others. And then there's sober-minded. So not only are we able to control our minds uh, or our, our bodies and our words, but now we're able to control our minds. We're controlling our thoughts. We're not freaking out. That's interesting. You think the world's ending. Panic. Let's freak out. No, let's be sober-minded. Let's keep our heads on straight. Um, and then it gives even a purpose. You should be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. That's interesting. One, I don't think we'll be disciplined to pray without self-control is one thing. We won't think clearly and speak clearly if we're not sober-minded for prayer. Also, if we're not being self-controlled and in some way engaging in sin, as Psalm 66 says, if we're cherishing iniquity in our heart, God's not going to listen to our prayers. So we need to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers. And then listen, listen to this. Above all, Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Wow. If you think the world is going to end, keep loving others. And keep loving people that God has put alongside you that aren't the easiest to love. Because love covers up a multitude of sins. That gives us the idea that there's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. But we need to keep loving one another and keep loving one another 
earnestly. I, I want you to think, really, this, this list gives us a lot to think about just even in the context of your life and your local church. You don't need to necessarily move anywhere, uh, go somewhere different if you want to live like the world is about to end. God is giving you a way to do that right where you are, uh, right where he has put you, right with the people he's put you with. Be self-controlled, be sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, and keep loving one another earnestly. Think of going to church this Sunday or wherever you serve or if you have a small group, think, man, I need to keep loving these people and I need to keep loving these people with earnestness and and passion and fervor because the end of all things is near. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's another way. That's probably not something that came to your mind when I started with, what would you do if you thought the world was going to end? You probably didn't think, oh, I really need to show hospitality and I need to do it without grumbling. That's what God has called us to do. And then the rest of these verses really focus on using our gifts to serve the church. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, God has given us all uh, different opportunities, different service, different gifts to serve uh, the body of Christ. And we are to steward those gifts well. And here's a hint, you're not stewarding it well if you're not doing anything. We should be serving the body of Christ. And then to summarize, then what it goes on to say, basically, however you're serving, give it all you've got. I mean, go for it. If you're speaking, this kind of divides the gifts into two broad categories, speaking or serving. If you're speaking, speak as though you're speaking the very oracles of God, right? Speak as if what you're saying is the word of God, which if you're teaching the Bible, uh, that's what you should be thinking. This is God's word that I am teaching. And, or if you're serving, do it with the strength that God supplies, You want to live like the world is ending? Give your service to the church everything you've got in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. So you want to live like the world is about to end? Be self-controlled and sober-minded and prayerful. Love others and show hospitality to others and serve the body of Christ. There's your game plan. Do that to be ready for the return of Christ. Now, the rest of the chapter, both before that and after that, is going to continue on this theme of suffering. And while we wait for the end of all things, guess what? We are going to have to um, endure suffering on a variety of levels. And this touches on some of those. It says in verse 1, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. And then it goes on to describe, we're not doing what the Gentiles do. We're not going in passion and and sensuality and drunkenness and all these different things. And the world is going to think that is strange. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to mock you, but they're going to have to answer to God for that. We want to be faithful to him. Now, verse six is interesting. 
where after it talks about God being the judge, it says, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. What's going on here? The gospel's preached to people that are already dead. Is there some kind of second chance? Uh, No, it says this was preached even to those who are dead. And I think the correct way to understand that is it was preached to these people while they were alive, but now they're dead. And these particular people seem to be believers. These people, the gospel was preached to them in their life and they believed it, but now they have died. Perhaps maybe even they were martyred because they weren't going along with the world. And so they've been judged in the flesh, right? That their bodies have died. That's the penalty for sin that we all experience, but their spirit lives. And we see that that matches a basic understanding of what we believe for Christians. Yes, Christians will die, but they will live in Christ. Their souls will live on and we look forward to a future resurrection. But for now, get ready to suffer. If you want to be a Christian, you're not just going to be able to fit in with the world. You're not going to be able to do what everybody else does. And hopefully when you're at church, you feel like, hey, I want to be with these people. I fit in with these people. But if you go out and you have unsaved friends or neighbors or family or co-workers, you're probably not going to feel like you can totally fit in because they're going to do these things that you're going to say, that's not what God would want me to do. And that could be a point of friction in your life with those that you are around. We also see suffering later in the chapter in verse 12, where he says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised by trials. Don't be surprised by persecutions, but rejoice if you are sharing in Christ's suffering. And if you're insulted on behalf of Christ, that is a good thing. You can rejoice in that, but don't suffer as a knucklehead. Don't suffer as an evildoer or a meddler. Uh, but if you do it for Christ, that is something that honors God. There's another interesting phrase here for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, uh, what will the outcome be for then those who do not obey the gospel? What does that mean? But judgment will begin with the household of God. Well, obviously, it's not talking about the judgment of condemnation. Uh, that's not what Christians experience. Here it's this more sanctifying, chastening, purifying judgment that's going to begin with the house of God, and then it's going to be worse for those outside uh, the house of God. But it sums it up well in verse 19, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And man, those are good words for us. So be ready. Be ready for the end of the world. But until then, be ready to suffer. And know that when we suffer, that I hope you're starting to see how this is such a theme. Now, and we've seen it in 1 Peter chapter 1. We've seen it in 1 Peter chapter 2. We've seen it in 1 Peter chapter 3. And now we've seen it in 1 Peter chapter 4. Suffering, when we do it well, because we're hoping in God and trusting in God, that's something that honors God. And I hope... This helps you with your perspective on suffering as you continue to live for Christ and to wait for that end of all things to be here. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.